Merry Christmas. Uh, my name's Anthony Tejeda. In case you don't know that, I think it was mentioned like three times. Uh, my wife and I, we actually lead a vibrant group of individuals here called the Singles Impact Ministry. I, I'm a part-time minister here at, the, here at the church, which is good news. That means the, the message will go a lot shorter today, hopefully. Uh, but we're glad that you're here with us. Um, you, you've made it. You know, the, the world didn't end, which is good news. And, and hopefully you've made it, you know, through the shopping. Christmas is in two days. So hopefully you've made it through the stress and the tensils and, and the shopping. Uh, and I don't know how you've made it, if it's well or, or poorly, but we're, we're glad that you're here with us regardless. One of the things that strikes me this time of year is... Why is it that God's people are, are is ceased to be astonished by the Christmas story? Like, I always feel like we have to kind of like jazz it up a little bit. Like, it's not enough to say that the God who created the universe and, and everything in it became a human being. I mean, that should be enough if you really think about it. That should be enough just even to stagger the imagination. But But I always feel like, we kind of have to be like, oh, God became a human being, and we, we got to sing all the, the, the Christmas songs, or, or you know, wear the Christmas sweaters, you know, or, or make sure you're, you're, you're visiting the in-laws, or, or they're out soon, or whatever it is. And I'm just hypothetically speaking about in-laws, okay? What's, what's the difference between an, in, the in-law, an in-law and an outlaw? Do you know? <laughs> outlaws are always wanted. I was joking, I was joking, so... I was joking. I was joking. I'll be here all night. Just let you guys know. No, I'm joking. But, but there's this sense that we just lost collectively the, 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 just to be astonished about the Christmas story. And, and, it's, and it's God's people. And I, I, I'm assu- I assume that you know, some of you guys here are just skeptical about the whole Jesus church thing. And you know, I appreciate you guys being here and putting up with us. But let me just talk to those of you who, who actually buy this. Can, can I just remind you just how utterly insane th- this story is? A, a virgin gave birth to a son. When you think about that, like imagine if today you, you leave service today and you get an internet text message or you're here on the news, a uh, 15-year-old girl in Fresno claims to be giving birth to the Messiah in two days, and she's a virgin. Would you buy that? No. You you think the the girl's crazy, or she's just starving for attention, right? And and yeah, we're we're like the, the, the baby Jesus born of a virgin. I'm like, if that wasn't an insane enough. I mean, the things that we kind of read and, and, and talk about this time of year is either worthy of mocking or worthy of worship. But the last thing it should be worthy of is just a yawn. I mean, it's so either so ridiculous, so staggering ridiculous, you got to believe it, or it's so staggering ridiculous, who, who, who can buy it? But, but there's no middle ground to kind of just say, oh, cool, you know, God became a human, and I hope I get a new pair of Air Jordans. I mean, we so miss the scandal of the story. And it's God's people who, who, who are responsible 
for, for the lack of astonishment. Because so, so few of us just actually even read the life and account of the gospel of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Just a little bit of this big book we call the Bible. And so few of us actually read it. And Jesus gets hijacked by, by every cause or every uh, political party or every personality just begging for money. And, and as a result, we, we miss this sense of who he really was. When, when you immerse yourself into Jesus, you, you, you learn what he sounds like. You learn what his heart is like. And, and you soon recognize that, that things that were actually talked about sometimes weren't even actually just about him. And, and because if you're just here and you're like, I'm not sure if I buy this. You know, I just want to say on behalf of the church or behalf of American Christianity or American churches, and honest truth, I don't speak of anybody just for myself, but I'm just sorry that we just missed that. We just messed up. And we just painted uh, Jesus um, so poorly. We, we, you know, we painted him as someone who's, who's safe, who, who's, who's boring, who's just a nice guy. And the problem is, is that you just don't crucify nice people. Like Mr. Rogers would never have been crucified in the first century, right? I mean, would you believe that statement? Teens are like, who's Mr. Rogers? Okay. Before there was SpongeBob, there was Mr. Rogers. But, I mean, we just so like neutered Jesus and just sanitized him. And we forgot just how ridiculous, just how real, how vibrant of a person he really was. And so when we come to celebrate his birth, whatever that means, we're, we're actually celebrating the, the invasion of God in, in the human history. The, the invasion of the purest light into the blackest darkness. And, and it's certainly not worthy of inattention. Because the last thing that you would describe him is someone who is religious. I mean, because, you know, we've lost the sense of who he is. And the last thing that we would, someone who ever would describe him is someone who is religious. And, and so, you know, it's, the opportunity that I have uh, um, working for the church, you know, there's a lot of times where I'm reading the scriptures or studying the scriptures with someone, and they'll ask me, well, 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 didn't Jesus found a religion? Didn't he find religion? I'm like, no, no. He, he was tearing religious systems down. Because to back then, to be forgiven, you, you had to go to a, a, a temple in a certain city, Jerusalem. And you would have to buy a certain animal at a certain price and take it to a certain priest and offer that. And, and then you would be forgiven. And, and that was... A lot of work. And that was grace to, to, to God's people before that. But then Jesus shows up, and he's just this peasant. And he just goes around forgiving people. They're not offering any, any sacrifices. And they're not even being exceptional religious. I mean, the, the, the most intriguing scandals that Jesus comes across 
He just forgives them without offering any sacrifices or, or, or doing anything. And, and, and the people just were scandalized by this Jesus. And the last thing that you would say about him is that he was safe or, or that he, he, he was boring or he was nice or that he was religious. And that's what we've turned him into. He's just this nice life coach that makes our life better. No, no, he, he was turning everything upside down. And this is what we supposedly celebrate when we buy each other iPads and big screen TVs. It's kind of the overthrow of the way the world has worked until this point. And so I just want to remind us just, just how, how about a little bit about the scandal. And, and because people who knew this Jesus described him with the most interesting words. In John 1, 1, it, the word to describe Jesus, the first word to describe Jesus was the word, word. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing made had, that had been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, the word word in the Greek is the Greek word logos, and it means statement. It means a saying. It means a word. In case you're fascinated, no. And logos, how, how did... God created the earth. It said he spoke it. And so God gives this word in this form of this Jesus. And at least the, the Bible says, I don't know if you buy that or not, but Jesus is actually the, the revelation, the clearest communication of what God is like. And so people will ask me, since I, you know, I'm a minister, well, hey, isn't it pretty narrow-minded to, to think that Jesus is the only way to God. And, and I tell him, no, no, you, you missed it. The claim is far more radical than that. It's not that only that Jesus is the way to God, it's that he is God. And, and he shows up here. The creator of all this becomes an infant and grows up. And he tells exactly what God is like so that we don't have to guess anymore. He was the Word made into flesh. In John 1, 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. It's God with clothes on it, evidently. The ideal isn't that Jesus just shows up and says, Hey, this, this place is all messed up. I'm out of here. You go figure it out. It's in the midst of all the darkness, in the midst of all the, the brokenness, in the midst of all the rebellious. He comes to us as one of us. It's not that he's not only the way to God, it's that he shows up in person as God. And there's good news and bad news attached to that. The, the bad news is, if he shows us what God is like, God isn't anything like other than what Jesus is like. But the good news is, if that's all true, 
God turns out to be way more amazing than we can imagine. Because this Jesus, he, he surprised everybody. Those closest to him described him as someone full of light. The, the Bible describes him as someone full of light. Now, light can do a couple of things, of course. If you're trying to hide something, light's bad. Like wrinkles, hair. I don't know why you want to hide hair, but you know, put a hat on or, or dye. But light can bring... If you ever heard... Like life, if you hear someone talking about something being brought to light, it means it's being exposed. So what did Jesus do? He, he exposed all kinds of junk in the human hearts. And, and please, if you're new to this whole Jesus thing, just, buy, just listen to this. It, it was the sinful people that loved Jesus. Because they were just sick of the darkness. And to them, the, the light was beautiful. And it was the religious people who were convinced that they were the sole bearers of light in the world. Those were the ones who hated being exposed because of their hypocrisy or the pride that was in their hearts. So the irony was that, you know, the religious people were suspicious about this Jesus. And, and, and the sinful people loved him. Has that flipped in 2,000 years? Seems like it has. Now Jesus is this religious icon. And the sinful people, and by the way, we're, we're all in that category, right? We, just some of us just embrace it more than others. But the sinful people are like, why, why would I want to do anything with this Jesus? And it's because so often we, we just painted him so poorly. If, if Jesus is really the word made into flesh. This is what God is like. You ready? So suppose that you want suppose of one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and comes goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, "Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep." I tell you that in the same way, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. And that's what Jesus is like. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Or suppose there's a man who has two sons. The younger one says to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after, the younger son got together all he had, set off to a distant country, and there squandered the wealth and wild living. So basically, father has two sons. One says, give me all the inheritance, or give me my share of the inheritance. Takes off and hypothetically goes to Vegas. Spends all the money. In verse 17, he says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have servants to spare? 
and here I am starving. He spent all his money. He has no food. He says, I will set up. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like your hired servants. So he got up, went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandal on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So evidently, God turns out to be just way more amazing than we can imagine. If you're lost, he'll find you. If, if you're sick, he'll come and rescue you. And whenever we talk about Jesus this time of year, I always have this image of um, Talladega Nights. You ever seen that movie? We're going to watch a clip real quick about Talladega Nights. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And it smells terrible, and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. Your tiny Jesus, your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled-up fist palm. He was a man. He had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? I win the races and I get the money. Ricky, finish the damn grace. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo T-shirt because it says, like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party, too. Because I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus, like, with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with, like, an angel band. And I'm in the front row, and I'm hammered drunk. Hey, Cal, why don't you just shut up? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Dear eight pound, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus, don't even know a word yet. Just a little infant, so cuddly, mm. but still omnipotent. Mm. We just thank you for all the races I've won and the $21.2 million. Woo! 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 Ow! Love that money that I have accrued over this past season. Also, due to a binding endorsement contract that stipulates I mentioned Powerade at each grace. I just want to say the Powerade is delicious, mm. and it, it cools you off on a hot summer day. And we look forward to Powerade's release of Mystic Mountain Blueberry. Mm. Thank you for all your power and your grace, dear baby God. Amen. 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 Eight, eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus. And, and he's in his major, right? And he has a cone-shaped head, evidently. He had a perfect birth. And 
that's the kind of image we have sometimes. And the reality is so much different. This Jesus is undermining the, the religious system in his days. Jesus is scandalizing the religious, the religious community by, by eating with women with, who had unsavory professions or, or men who just sell themselves out for a buck. I mean, he was just so scandalous. And, and, and we're just ceased to be astonished to even see Jesus like that. I mean, he shows up evidently and he likes to have, he likes to have fun and, and be with people. Just any heart willing to, to be open to him, he just pursues. He was a light. He, he was the word. The text says he was life. Now, you think of the word life. Life, he, he was described as life. Now, when you think of church, do you think of vibrant human life? I'm, apparently, I'm the only one here. Do you think of life? No! You know, some people, I don't think of light and life sometimes when I'm here at church. And that's what, how he was described. I mean, he, wherever he was, joy was. Wherever he was, life was. He was, I mean, you got to understand, he was the type of person where people would tear a roof and a hole in a roof just to be close to him. People would, would, would just tear through crowds just to touch the hem of his robe. People would, would embarrass themselves and pour expensive perfume on his feet when it, when it wasn't allowed to be done in the first century. I mean, it was just crazy. You just don't dig a hole in a roof for someone who is joyless. You just don't tear through crowds for someone who is lifeless. Jesus is light. He is life. He's the word. He's God with clothes on. The last word that's used in this text is the word glory. In John 1.14 it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son who has come from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let me hear you say the word glory. Glory, glory. yeah. Kind of has like a little kick to it, right? Like comes, starts here, comes down, comes back up. Glory is kind of those old-fashioned religious words, isn't it? It, it, the, it means a, a, a weightness. A heaviness. It was actually uh, came from the word of uh, rich people loaded down with riches. So the idea is that Jesus is drenched in, in godliness. And, and the funny thing is about Jesus is that people would sit for three days just just to hear him teach. I mean, he didn't quote any experts. Back then, they had to think. They, they back then they had what it was called a midrash, and, and uh, you would speak a text and, and quote a text and say, "This rabbi said this, and this rabbi said that, and this rabbi said this." Rabbi said this. Jesus never quoted any rabbis. He, he would just say, "Well, you've heard it been said, but I tell you this." Like he had the authority. He was glorious. What exactly do we celebrate this time of year? I mean, there's a lot of pictures of presents and, and trees and Santa Claus. 
Rudolph. Okay. Well, the, the Bible's favorite picture is light invading darkness. And we can disagree just for a moment that there's a lot of darkness. It's just not out there, but in here too. And you see the, the pre-intimate problem that you and I have is we look and at God and say, you don't know what it's like down here. It's awful. Christmas robs us of the opportunity for us to shake our fist at God and say, you don't know what it's like to be betrayed. You don't know what it's like to be abandoned. You don't know what it's like to be given desires and told not to act on them. You don't know what it's like to, to be hungry. You don't know what it's like to look for a job. You don't know what it's like to be, not work right now. You don't know what it's like. You fill in the blank. Christmas is God's way of saying, oh, I actually do. Hunger? Me too. Thirst? Me too. Support groups. One of the most powerful things about support groups is one person saying to another person, me too. I know exactly what it's like. Christmas is the celebration and the most insane act that God could ever do. Taking the frailty, the fallen, and the darkness of human life in order to redeem it and make it beautiful. And that's what we celebrate. And it's either worthy of scorn or mocking or just utter devotion. But the last thing it should be worthy of is just boredom or big screen TVs. Light has come into this world and it's pretty hard to, sometimes to disregard. It's a challenge this time of year because to actually, to actually grab a hold of it and really see the significance of what this event really represents. And we got to work at it because so much in our culture wars that just delving deep into it. And brothers and sisters, I just, I don't know where you're at on an afternoon like this. Don't know what you're wrestling with. But I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that light wins in the end. There's a sense in which light not only came into the world once and light will come back when Jesus returns, but it, but it's here right now. And, and I can imagine the amounts of, of pain inside this room just how staggering it is, the amount of betrayal, the amount of loss, the, the amount of anger, the, the amount of jealousy. I mean, you name it. We can go on for days and just catalog how much pain is inside this room. But it's the coming of this Jesus that allows us to say, it, it just won't be that way. It just won't be like this anymore. It just won't be like this way anymore. And so we celebrate not only with joy, but we celebrate with hope. The recognition that God did not stay far away, but he dove in when it was the darkest. So right now we're going to pray for communion and just ask you guys to close your eyes and just really reflect of what, how significant an event this is, of the birth, 
of Jesus because he was the light. He, he was the life. He was the word. He was glory. He was God with clothes on. And just as we celebrate communion, also celebrate his death and how significant his resurrection means in our lives. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, it's truly a celebration just to think of you, God. And I just pray that our hearts are just astonished of who you are and, and how you just keep on giving in our lives. We truly are blessed to, to have you, and we truly are blessed to, to, to know that you're here to redeem our lives. Thank you so much for the example that you set, and thank you so much for your love. Please forgive us. We love you. In your son's name I pray. Amen.